It's another edition of The Difference. I'm Dan O'Donnell, talk radio host extraordinaire, venturing into the world of podcasting with the president and CEO of Annex Wealth Management, Dave Spano. And every week, Dave, we talk about the issues that impact markets, that impact retirements, that impact you, that impact your bottom line. And really, we've been talking for since we started this podcast, about inflation, and there's nothing that really seems to have a psychological impact, quite like inflation and gas prices. This week, as we're recording this, gas prices have now doubled since President Biden took office. When he was inaugurated January 20th, 2021, the average price of a gallon of regular was $2.39. Right now, as I record this, four dollars and 86 cents a gallon nationwide i actually had to fill up my tank on saturday a couple of days ago it was 86 dollars and 54 cents to fill up price of gas where i filled up five dollars and nine cents this is getting out of control and it's really really having an impact not just on the consumer but on the broader economy as well well you can see it's affecting everybody and you think about higher oil prices. I had somebody uh, over the Memorial Day weekend drove from Denver uh, through Chicago and into Wisconsin, and uh, they said in nearly every one of the pumps that they stopped and paid at, and they paid, you know, in some cases uh, up to $6 uh, in the Chicagoland area. They said at every one of those pumps was the I did this Joe Biden sticker. (laughs) And so there is certainly pushback politically. And as you mentioned, economically, we're going to look at some numbers that are going to come out on this Friday. Again, we're recording this on Monday. And that is going to be the CPI that comes out. And hopefully it begins to level out. But there's going to be a lot of anxiety coming on Friday because if it continues to accelerate, the market is not going to like that. It's certainly not going to digest that. But you think about not only you and I paying higher prices and everyone listening to this, but it's higher prices for corporations. So you have higher prices, input costs. You have higher wages, which is part of inflation, and you have lower productivity, and you start to see a significant pressure on margins for publicly traded companies. Yeah, and and this is the thing that I really wanted to drill down on, because what you're seeing is such a dramatic increase in the cost of production. I know we've been talking about producer price indexes and things like that, but one of the greatest costs that companies incur is getting the product from the manufacturing, invariably in China or wherever it originates, to you, to to the store shelves. And if all of a sudden the price for that goes from, you know, $2.39, let's say, to $5, $6 is being discussed by the middle of summer, by the end of summer. We could see the, the next long weekend. Well, I guess technically the next long weekend is Juneteenth, but the big one that everybody seems to travel a long ways for is the 4th of July. That's You get a lot of summer vacations and things like that. If all of a sudden the price is that much more expensive, it stands to reason that the price that you're going to pay is going to go up exponentially as well. And it's sort of this vicious cycle that producers have no choice but to increase costs. Consumers, therefore, have to decide whether or not they're going to pay those increased costs for the same goods that they would, or does their behavior change? Have you seen 
any indication that behavior is starting to really change with respect to what people are buying, how far they're traveling, if they're uh, driving more often than they were or anything like that? You know, we watch a lot of numbers. Consumer sentiment is a big part of that because, as you point out, in our country, in the United States, two-thirds of the GDP in this country is driven by consumer demand and consumer spending. So if they are making choices on where they're going to spend, how does that play out in in the GDP numbers? And you can talk about it all the way across economic spectrums. You know, we certainly are talking about folks who have the availability to get in a car and travel three or four hours or wherever they're going to go and pay those higher prices, Dan. But on the lower end of the economic strata, that is really where the difficult decisions have to be made because now you have to do, in the economics term, is called substitution. And so do you not pay for gas? Do you not drive? Do you not get hamburger? Uh, Do you not get chicken? And right down the line, and you have to make some choices. And that's where the politics and the economics collide. Because, of course, if you are a political person right now and you see that this is not good, especially for the lower income strata folks, that is going to have a major impact. So, yes, we're starting to see substitution come in. And we're starting to see higher prices all across the spectrum. Now, there's an old saying, Dan, that says the cure for higher prices is higher prices. And what that means, at some point, people are just going to say, forget it. And I'm not going to go and do the things that I was going to do because it costs too much. And then that creates demand. The Federal Reserve job by raising interest rates is to cool demand. I mean, that comes right out of their talking points. They want to, air quotes here, cool demand. In other words, they want people to spend less. That's really what they're trying to get to. And you can see it across every part of the CPI definition, including real estate. We saw new home starts down 16% month over month. So if you start to prick the bubbles in certain parts of the definition of CPI, rent equivalency, real estate, oil and gas, and you look at right down the line, that will slow down inflation. Hopefully, we'll see some more evidence on Friday. If it continues to accelerate, Dan, on Friday, it's probably not going to get digested very well. What is that going to mean moving forward? It's not digested. I mean, it's it still, to me, I know we disagree a little bit that it seems as though we're, we're teetering towards recession. I mean, when you've got even Elon Musk over at Tesla saying he's going to have to cut 10% of his workforce. I mean, this was a company that was quite literally going to the moon. I guess that's SpaceX. But uh, when we're seeing that level of apprehension, I think you're seeing it in the broader uh, economy I mean, doesn't it seem like a recession is almost inevitable? And there's another old saying, or at least an old line of wisdom, that the only thing that really kills inflation is a recession, is when people just stop buying and prices necessarily have to drop. Yeah, I'm not sure that we disagree on that. I think we're headed towards a recession. And economists, we're at a 33% possibility and probability that we're going to have a recession. They're now around 50%. Well, that's a flip of the coin. Do you actually have a recession or not? And that is by what's the standard definition. The standard definition is two 
back-to-back quarters of negative GDP. Well, if you get down to 0.1 or 0.4, there's no question that is a slowdown in the economy. Is it a tactical recession? That's yet to be seen. And of course, how deep and how wide is it? We have seen recessions in the past. In my career, we've had, you know, since the middle 1980s, we've had a number of them. Some of them have been super short, like the one that we had in March of 20 and April of 2020. But then we had deep and wide ones, like we saw in 08, that go on for a year or year and a half. So how deep and wide is really the argument? I don't think that we're disagreeing that we're going to have a slowdown. I think everyone is on that same page, and it's by design. The question is, if we have a recession, how deep and wide? In my business, Dan, when we have recessions, they're typically connected with bear markets. Bear markets, by definition, down 20% peak to trough. Well, we got to 19.9%. So that is really the key. What is that going to mean to your portfolio? And in the use the words of the Federal Reserve, is it transitory? Is this yeah. a permanent issue? I mean, in a year or two years or three years or four years from now, really what's going to happen? Well, we've had 32 setbacks in our economies over the last 150 years, and we are 32-0. and 0. So we will be 33-0. and 0. The question is, when does it come back? And what policies are going to make it worse or better is really the conversation. And when you've got that uncertainty, especially now as we may be teetering on the brink of recession, I guess what I I was talking about our disagreement was that whether or not it's going to be this quarter, we're going to see that second consecutive quarter of negative GDP. A lot of people, I I think it's inevitable. I think with gas prices this high, uh, you're going to see negative GDP, although a lot of people seem to say, well, okay, last year or last quarter was an aberration. So that's what I'm talking about, the technical recession. I think everybody, as you said, is in agreement. Yeah, we're heading towards a recession. We're probably already in one technical definition of a recession though is two consecutive quarters of negative gdp and when we are in this environment where nobody can really predict what's happening next that's the environment where you most need a free wealth metric it's a portfolio review it's a better understanding of what you own in your portfolio why you own it and it's available at annexwealth.com can't recommend one highly enough. And obviously, this being an election year, Dave, in my world, in the world of politics, I look at the way markets move and the way the Federal Reserve acts through the prism of how does it benefit the party in power. The party that controls the White House has an inordinate influence over the chairman of the Federal Reserve. Jerome Powell, of course, was nominated by Biden's successor, President Donald Trump. Does that mean he's going to be far more likely to act, do whatever it is that Biden wants? Biden clearly doesn't want rate hikes. The Fed understands that hiking interest rates, and it did so incrementally, it's already done, what, two straight uh, quarter percent basis point increases. And the plan was to just sort of uh, get rid of inflation by gradual increases in the uh, rate of inflation. Uh, or excuse me, in in the interest rates to, to reduce the rate of inflation. The problem with that is that the Biden administration, which is looking at potentially historic losses for its party all up and down the ballot this November, primarily because of the inflation issue, if our country goes into a recession, especially if that happens September, October, when recessions typically happen, that's going to be game over. 
and that could cripple the Biden presidency for the rest of his term. Yep. Do you think as a result of that, we may not see the level of rate increases that many economists and, and business leaders and Wall Street are sort of looking at. Yeah, no, I totally agree with that because I think what you're going to see, and I don't have the calendar in front of me, but I think the last Fed meeting before the election is the day before the election. And so do they pause because they said, you know, we're going to take two rate hikes or three rate hikes and then look at the data? Well, the data is going to lead us right into, uh, if I recall, to the calendar that is right before the election. So if they raise rates right before the election, that could be influential on the outcome. And the Federal Reserve tries to stay out of that. You know, they haven't been really good about that. But yeah, I think they might pause right before the election and not raise rates. There's two things. The Federal Reserve can control the short end. That's what they control. The market controls the longer end. And right now, the 10-year Treasury is, as we speak, over 3%. So there could be that effect as well. But, you know, the last thing that is out there right now that people are not talking about, speaking of, uh, of politics, is, you know, of course, Senator Manchin was out in Davos that last week. And you know what they were talking about? Using budget reconciliation uh-huh. to pass a climate and health care legislation this summer. Manchin and Schumer were uh, supposedly uh, deep in a conversation and maybe even having a handshake agreement. Well, if that passes right before the clock runs down, what's in there? Well, that's the Build Back Better. Well, that means partially higher taxes. That would just be the knockout punch for the guy sitting at 1600 Pennsylvania Avenue if they do that uh, without a vote, with budget reconciliation. I mean, that would be bizarre if that happened. So so we'll have to watch uh, what comes out of that. But all of this, Stan, leads us to there is this wall of worry that is out there. And with this wall of worry, and we're hearing from our clients, you know, how does that affect me? How does it affect my ability to go and retire? Or if I'm in retirement, how does it affect my stream of income? You got to go through this effort that we go through, Dan, that goes through this wealth metric gives you a tax overlook, that gives you an estate planning overlook, and of course, an economic and financial plan overlook. And there's, there's ways to get that done. You can go and do it on yourself. You can go to Fidelity, you can go to Vanguard, you can go to Schwab, or you can engage a professional certified financial planner. Lots of fun stuff that you can go and get done, but always appreciate your input on this, Dan, of course. Absolutely. You as well, Dave. I love recording these podcasts. I hope uh, people who are listening appreciate just how much we enjoy doing this. And we do, of course, appreciate you listening. I am Dan O'Donnell. He's Dave Spano, the president and CEO of Annex Wealth Management. You've been listening to The Difference. Annex Wealth Management is a registered investment advisor. For more information about our firm, please visit AnnexWealth.com. The information in this podcast is for educational and entertainment purposes only and is subject to change without notice. Opinions expressed are those of the participants and don't necessarily reflect those of Annex Wealth Management, its producers, hosts, or guests. The host of the podcast is compensated for his endorsement of Annex Wealth Management. Information presented should not be construed as tax, legal, or investment advice, or a recommendation or solicitation for the sale of any product or strategy. Listeners are encouraged to seek advice from qualified professionals to determine whether any information presented may be suitable for their specific situation. Investments involve risks. Neither Annex Wealth Management nor its podcast participants shall be liable for losses resulting from decisions based on information or viewpoints presented on this podcast.